0: This is Southeast Asia Crossroads, an educational podcast from the Center for Southeast Asian Studies at Northern Illinois University. Today we sit down with Nathaniel Sumaktoyo to explore the puzzle of Muslim voting behavior with double minority candidates. Welcome to another edition of Southeast Asia Crossroads. Uh, I'm your host Eric Jones and with me in studio is uh Nathaniel Sumaktoyo. Uh welcome. Thank you for having me, Eric. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to have you here. Uh Daniel is uh is is a postdoc at uh, Notre Dame. So not too far. Uh you're used to the to the Midwest and uh enjoying the cornfields over there?
1: Midwest winter? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh I remember uh, at Cornell once I saw a group of uh, Indonesians that had just arrived in Ithaca in in January like from the first time and watching them just get off of the bus and immediately the wind in their face and think like, why?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like (laughs) the snow pretty much follows (laughs) the law of diminishing return. (laughs) The first snow is always beautiful and the second, third, Mm. fourth. Yeah. yeah some
0: of some of the some of the newly arrived Indonesians you met downstairs were you know they're like Oh we can't wait for the snow like you say that now <laughs> <laughs> talk to me in february and then we'll, yeah. we'll have a conversation uh but uh, again, thank you for coming out uh your uh your research is uh, some of it that you presented is uh, is really fascinating, so let's uh jump right into it um prayer and skin color Religious and ethnic sentiments in uh, uh, Jakarta elections. Yep. So um, you've been you've been doing a lot of thinking about this. So give us a um, give us a context. You in in this part of your research, you really focus on on the uh, Jakarta mayoral elections. Gubernatorial. Uh, gubern- sorry, gubernatorial elections and. Um, uh, Tell us a bit about for our listeners what what the gubernatorial elections are and what uh, kind of what got you thinking about this question of of, of religion versus ethnicity.
1: Sure. So in two thousand seventeen, Jakarta had a gubernatorial election. What made this election special was because one of the candidates, uh, the incumbent governor, was a double minority candidate. So he's an ethnic minority. He's an ethnic Chinese. And he's also a Christian, a religious minority. So, I mean, just being one type of minority is already hard and maybe even makes one's political career difficult and challenging. But this person had two minority characteristics. And because of this minority characteristics, we also saw a lot of controversies about whether this person actually should be on the ballot especially considering his religious affiliation, and we also saw demonstrations in Jakarta opposing his uh, candidacy. So this got me thinking, between these two characteristics, religion and ethnicity, which one actually mattered more in the election? That's a that's the basic simple that I followed and actually motivated my research. So I did a survey, and using an experimental design, I actually showed that in this election, ethnic sentiments actually mattered more than religious sentiments. This comes in two forms. First, I found that voters' feelings toward ethnic Chinese actually shaped their voting preference more than their feelings toward Christians. And also found that reminding voters of this candidate's ethnicity this candidate's name is Basuki Chahaya Purnama or people call him Ahok reminding people of Ahok's ethnicity that Ahok is an ethnic chinese actually decreased their votes, their support for him uh, more significantly than reminding them that Ahok is a uh, christian so that's pretty much the basic takeaway of my study
0: so we're going to get a, we're going to unpack that uh, a whole bunch more but um so and i mean it's fascinating on it on its face of course but but it's particularly striking in given just uh the uh, the history leading up to it and um uh Ahok was uh was quite popular mm-hmm. so so i mean I guess paint a picture uh before the religion ethnicity um Kind of he, before his election was imperiled, re-election was imperiled.
1: Um, what what the landscape looked like before that? He was actually really popular. Uh, he had an approval rate of sixty-five to seventy percent. So prior to the elections in March, which, which is
0: about as high as you can get as a candidate. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean that's every politician's dream, basically. Yeah. Like having seventy percent of the voters approved of your work. That's that's pretty much a guaranteed ticket for election in most usual elections, but the election at the time was unusual. So that's the that's the issue at hand. And and uh um was it
0: was it uh, his his initial election was it um was it seen as landmark um when it or or, or did it uh, the fact that a, a Chinese Christian or was it was it noted um and and much to mused about um when he first
1: entered the entered the political scene. Sure. Um. Well, I think we should clarify first that despite the fact that Ahok was the incumbent governor at the year of the election, he was not actually elected to the position. So he became governor to replace Joko Widodo. So he was the first governor of Joko Widodo. They ran together in 2012. And in 2014, Joko Widodo ran for president. He won the election and he became president. So AHOK replaced him as Jakarta's governor. So he was not elected to the uh, governorship. And the election in 2017 was the first time he was the principal candidate on the ballot for this uh Jakarta's election. Right. So we d- we don't have uh
0: a, c- a clear sample case th- the of of uh, of an of an election from zero. Um but we do have these very high approval ratings uh going into the 2016 elections and so it left uh, um uh it, it it was it was a um, a high um a high watermark. Um so his uh This issue versus, I I guess, when scholars look at religion and uh, and ethnicity, um, it's not unique to 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 Indonesia, as you make the case. Um, Give us a give us a snapshot of what role does primordial identity play? How how do how do you know academics from political scientists to neuroscientists think about um, sort of these? primordial connections. What and, and I guess what what are those?
1: Sure, I mean I'm well, just because I'm studying the 2017 Jakarta election and focusing on Indonesia doesn't mean that the problem or the challenges associated with identity politics are specific for Indonesia only. We can see even in more advanced and developed democracies like the US and the UK that identity politics continues to play significant roles in politics. Brexit, for example, studies have shown that one of the best predictors of Brexit is UK identity as opposed to European identity, and also anti-immigrant sentiments. And the fact that similar studies on American politics, especially ones concerning the election of Donald Trump in 2016, also showed similar results anti-immigrant sentiments, anti-Muslim sentiments, um, nativist sentiments, negative sentiments against minority groups, including African Americans. Those are very powerful predictors of support for Donald uh, J. Trump. I think what this tells us is that these challenges are everywhere. These are not constrained or confined to any specific country. And this just highlights the importance of understanding these challenges so that we can better able to counter um nativist sentiments or ethnocentrism right and and uh and of course
0: difficult to difficult to 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 find out sometimes as a researcher because these are often things that are operating at, at in in places that people don't even aren't even at a conscious level of of bias so that that, that's an that's an additional uh, layer. Am I am I wrong?
1: Sh- sh- no, you're definitely right. I mean, it's. I don't think anyone likes to be called or even to think of themselves as a racist. Um, everyone wants to f- see themselves as someone who is open-minded, as someone who is open to other groups. But, um, the fact is. Sometimes our unconscious disposi- predispositions, our unconscious thoughts, our stereotypes about other groups, we might, not, we might not be aware of these stereotypes, but they still affect our political behavior. I mean, we can, for example, studies on uh, police shooting in the US. Psychologists have used what uh, they call um, Reaction tests and implicit measures, and generally, they these studies show that people are more likely to grow uh, to draw guns and to use uh, forces against um, African Americans, even if the uh, subject is not armed. They kind of associated uh, the skin color with. Uh, weapons and that's one of the things that sometimes influence our decision whether or not we are aware of it right yeah um
0: the the in your in your research you argue that that ethnicity ultimately matters more than than religion in 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 the polls uh but maybe it's it's a it's a good idea to to say a bit about um to, th- to think about the religion and and ethnicity over time um in islam and, and sort of chineseness over time in indonesia uh in uh in indonesia um the the role that religion has played in um modern political history take us through and maybe jakarta charter um kind of quickly on it what what uh, what what shaping effect has it had um, you know, even in the sort of the age of motion in the early twentieth century, we know it has a, it has a, it and has an impact. But certainly at, at Indonesian independence and, and beyond it's it's played a significant role. Can you give us a sense of what uh religion or or or, or um uh, pluralism has looked like in in religious context?
1: Yeah. Um well, religion has always been Indonesian politics. It never went away. Um so that's we can start from that. One of the most significant episodes of how religion influenced Indonesian politics came in the debate on Jakarta charter. So after the independence of Indonesia, like the founding fathers debated uh, our constitution and the Islamic faction, they wanted A clause that specifically stipulates the obligation or the requirement for Muslims to follow Sharia law. So it's just nine words, and the clause pertains only to Muslims. But then the more the founding fathers were more oriented toward the fact that Indonesia is a Plural country with different uh, religions in different parts of the country. They they saw the potential problems with this clause. Once the state entered the religious domain, even only just to regulate one religion, the state cannot longer can no longer assume or take a neutral position on religious affairs so after some debates the agreement is that the clause was taken well they settled the they settled the debate at the moment but this is something that always has been contentious in indonesian politics and if you talk with leaders of conservative muslim organizations like fbi they would always mention this episode of Indonesian founding as a betrayal of some sort of how the state betrayed uh-huh. the um, Indonesian Muslims they would argue that well the clause does not require non-muslims to follow Sharia law the state the clause is only relevant to Muslims so why do other religions care about whether this clause is there or not but again it's the argument is that once the state enters the domain of religion even if just to regulate uh, one religion then it cannot assume a neutral position toward the other it would be partial toward that um, one religion and we can talk long and why about that there are a lot of works like jeremy manchik's work on uh, tolerance without liberalism how religious groups interacted and how this interaction actually shaped indonesian politics in indonesian state institutions but the fact is uh, religion is always there and because religion is always there religious sentiments and religious division is also always there and and under and of course under um sukarno and suharto the, uh the first
0: two presidents of indonesia there there were the religion was was kept the, the the limits of the possible for for religion and politics were 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 contained um um pretty 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 tightly and and um and and aggressively in in some in uh, across religion but uh uh of course 1988 uh the there's there's a, a massive opening in just in in every way in sort of indonesian um political social uh history um uh where d- what happens with um uh, islamic politics after after the fall of uh suharto in
1: 98 well islamic politics grew even before suharto was removed from power. I mean, starting in the 1990s, 1991, 1992, Suwarta already realized the power that this organization sure. had Not
0: that it wasn't there, but no, yeah. yeah.
1: And in fact, I mean, he supported the founding of um, It's Me, the Ikatan Kiawan Muslim Indonesia, the, uh, how do you say it in English? Uh, the Council of Indonesian Muslim Intellectuals, as one of the reasons that this organization l- enabled him to challenge um, Abdul Rahman Wahid or Gus Dur's um, NU, so he, he saw the potential in these uh, Muslim organizations, and he grew closer uh, to Islamic organizations later in the nineteen nineties. But I think you're right that there was perhaps no more no significant episode that's more important to Islamic politics in Indonesia than the downfall of Suharto because that's when all the political and uh, pretty much civil society spheres became much more open and it's a to some extent it was a free for all, I mean you got, after, after the Suharto's removal from power, you got political parties that explicitly deca- declared themselves as Islamic parties under Suharto you can only have three parties and they all had to be based on right. in pancasila <laughs> yeah so so um
0: and i guess if, if we are comparing sort of the the religion to to ethnicity so the, the make a make a case for the the chinese role in uh a bit over time in in in, in indonesia we know that uh uh they've they've they were they've been there for centuries, uh mm-hmm. millennia in some cases depending on how you count it uh but um uh, what does what does lead us up to the moment where a uh, hooks chineseness matters so much how did, how did we get there well
1: <laughs> uh, we can go back to the dutch era uh i mean they perhaps did the first segregation they ...differentiated between uh, ethnic Chinese and uh, the locals or the pribumi. And under Suharto, ethnic Chinese was explicitly discriminated by the state. If you are of Chinese descent, then you have to obtain um, a letter... ...that specifies that you are Indonesian citizen... That's the SBKRI, the letters of Indonesian citizenship evidence. If you are not Chinese descent, you don't have to. You don't have to obtain such a letter. And I mean, I think one of the most ironic episodes in the history of ethnic Chinese citizenship in Indonesia is related to how Alan Budi Kusuma and Susi Susanti. So those are badminton players, and they won indonesia's first olympic medals in the 1992 olympic in barcelona but then they tried to get married and when they tried to get married the of the state official actually asked them to prove that they are indonesian citizens well how can you say something like that to people who actually won gold medals for indonesia but that's just one of the examples of how this state discrimination against ethnic Chinese was uh, perpetuated and institutionalized under uh, Suharto, and, and then and after, yeah, and
0: of course the obviously one of the elephants in the room is the after the 30th of September 1965, the the inordinate number of Chinese targeted in pogroms, which which is sadly not a diversion from from. Uh, Dutch and and other that the Chinese being sort of targeted in in these these purges um that uh, that uh, ethnic Chinese in Indonesia were on on notice uh even mm. really dramatically after 65 that your your Indonesianness is is in question it's and in your good. your your bona fides need to be proved
1: Yeah 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 um and you cannot even well in the military you have i'm not even sure well i, I don't know i i i, yeah, I don't know we, we can actually i was we going to say yeah we can leave it out yeah we can don't put
0: there. this in jacob but yeah are there any chinese uh, generals generals no. i don't think ever no no don't put that in jacob but
1: <laughs> they, they're not even allowed to enter the military academy if i'm correct but i'm i'm not sure about that so we can
0: yeah yeah okay but um so let
1: me ask uh, let me think here um we can also not. We must not also also forget the May nineteen ninety eight, uh, the riots that
0: uh. Right. So there's so right in this in the same the same moment there's a civil society opening for for um, uh, more explicit religious political exp- um uh, exposure. There's uh there's a um uh an attack on the Chinese. Say a bit about that. Ninety eight.
1: Yeah. Um, Weeks, days before uh, Suharto resigning from power, um, riots, ethnic riots engulfed Jakarta's big cities uh, such as um, Medan. I'm um, sorry, riots, ethnic riots engulfed Indonesia's big cities such as Medan, uh, Jakarta, Solo. And these riots mostly targeted ethnic Chinese businesses and ethnic Chinese individuals in Jakarta's alone. One study estimated that more than a thousand ethnic Chinese individuals were killed and more than a hundred ethnic Chinese women were raped. And there is virtually no closure to this uh, dark episode. Why? Why? Why did that um, opening mean that the Chinese would be targeted? Well, I think it's the time when. Well, that's a good question. I don't, I don't really talk about it, but um it's well for one thing it well it happened actually before Suharto was resigning uh from uh power, so in one part, it was because of this riot that Suharto resigned from power, but I think it also highlighted how these negative sentiments how these anti-Ken sentiments were always there.
0: That's what I was gonna say. It's like it's like floating under the surface, like barely barely being held back. And then when when you have the the veneer of law and order removed, yeah. then those those furies Yeah come when
1: out. yeah, when when the institution when the security institution got weakened and people perceived that that's uh, maybe they, what was already underneath the surface came out. But I mean, we can also not, and I think we must not forget that these riots were not entirely spontaneous. Um, right. Yeah, there were evidence of how some elements of the military, I mean, the fact-finding mission of the 1998 riots explicitly stated the possibility of uh, some military elements some military involvement in these riots and I think that's also something that we must not forget right and and also a a
0: whether it's real or perceived a socioeconomic fact factor that the, you know the, these riots were were based um you know initially in some real um poverty and sort of anger over um prices and uh the sort of the quality of life of kind of everyday indonesians and the perception is of course the chinese are uh, are r- running these businesses and hoarding money and you know that so that those those um also run rampant is like you know go get them they, those are the those are the people who are different who have uh, haven't been sharing the wealth or or, or or hoarding the wealth or whatever
1: yeah and that that stereotypes uh were a- Unfortunately, cultivated by the state and uh, including by uh, Suharto. I mean, th- Suharto and the state definitely did not di- definitely did not help improving those perceptions by banning Chinese New Year, by banning uh, Chinese yeah. ethnic cultural symbols. You just basically they Chinese just language, like, yeah. yeah. They, they they kept they kept Some. the otherness uh, intact and salient and. Um, yeah. Yeah. So,
0: so it's a, it's a, it's a precarious position for the, um, for the Chinese, uh, as it has always been in, in Indonesia, but, um, in, uh, um, is it, so is it, is, is, how is a hook able to, able to succeed or how are, how are Chinese politicians able to, um, survive in the do they have to like before before the 2017 like it's is uh uh do they have to play a certain role do they have to be as number two to uh, a legitimate um kind of a good a good uh indonesian muslim do they what 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 does the landscape look like for a chinese ethnic politician in in indonesia how do they how do they find success
1: um I would say that or is it, Or is there a pattern? Or is it Ethnic Chinese politicians are not that uncommon. There were a significant number of them as cabinet ministers. So they, they were quite active in politics. But I, I think what's important is that the type of positions that they assume. So what, what Ahok was doing, that he ran... To be the executive of a city, that's a pretty different political position than being a minister or being even a member of parliament. Being a minister, you are part of something bigger. You are not you are not at the top of a political organization. I mean, you are at the top of your department, but that's there, You right. have a boss, right? And if you are a member of the parliament, and we also have um, quite a significant number of ethnic Chinese members of parliament. You're pretty much invisible. I mean <laughs> um you are just one of five hundred something members of parliament. You're not you're not exactly the most you're not exactly at the top of uh the organization either. But by running for governorship, you're aiming for something that's that makes you visible to pretty much everyone. And it's not just governorship of any province, it's the governorship of Jakarta, the capital, and you are just bound to attract a lot of attention uh, by doing that. But an, an outsider might
0: say, "Well, I would, I would guess that in the in the capital city, the you know the diverse, plural, like you know polyglot s- society, like like a, like most capitals are that that's that might matter less so than if you know the you know and the governor of Aceh um, or the governor of a very Islamic part of. Indonesia uh anywhere in Sumatra um w- w- were to were to try to um w- why w- what about Jakarta um makes it makes that interesting or or makes that move the the where 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 chineseness would matter so much
1: I'm um, I'm sorry I'm not I'm not sure I'm, I'm not sure I follow
0: <laughs> yeah okay well we'll take that question out Jacob I was just, I was just gonna, like you know what uh, uh well that's yeah, I mean I was that was just a personal curiosity. I was just like, what <laughs> is you know cuz so you'd like oh the big city like they're going to ignore you know those things. it would be it would be in the super islamic, you know, like rural kind of more parts of Indonesia where that.
1: Um no, I think uh, yeah, I think there's definitely a relationship to that. I mean if we look at if you look at let, let me let, let me ask it again and we can let okay. me say does
0: does uh urban versus rural matter in Um, perceptions towards Chinese political um, leadership.
1: Um, I don't know about urban or rural, but what I can tell you is that if you look at the distribution of votes in the 2017 Jakarta election, you can see that AHOK won most of its votes from municipalities that are um, where pretty much ethnic Chinese live. Right. And he won very little, uh, very few votes in areas where um, some other ethnicities live. Like, uh, for example, Betawi, uh, the the, the original inhabitants of Jakarta. I'm not going to say that. Uh, how do you say, like, the...
0: Orang Betawi, or, yeah, the, uh, um, the native Jakartans. Or yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Ahok won much fewer votes in areas where there are fewer ethnic Chinese and where the areas are dominated by ethnic groups that are known to be um, strong in their religious identity. So
0: uh things are things are things are okay for a he is um very popular um what what happens in uh in 2016 that gets um temperatures raised so high uh that and and ultimately leads to his um losing and and even, and, and arrest spoiler alert um <laughs> but uh, uh where does it where does he run Foul of uh, first uh, with uh, Islamic um, opposition.
1: Sure. Um, well, I would not say that things were okay for. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, painting too dramatically rosy <laughs> picture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he got seventy uh, percent approval rate, so that's that's good. But I mean, the opposition was always there. I mean, right. waiting waiting for an opportunity. I guess yeah. when did the opportunity? Yeah. yeah. Um, after Joko Widodo assumed assumed the presidency, and Ahok had to replace him as governor, some of the Islamic groups actually point uh, like actually had someone to be their like shadow governor, so they appointed a person to be their shadow governor, huh. which is so weird. Um, but that happened, ended just a, a shadow governor. I like that, <laughs> and they just highlighted. They just highlighted how the opposition was always there. But I think what really changed the political calculation at the time was what happened in September 2016. So Ahok gave a speech in a public meeting in Kepulauan Seribu. And in this meeting, he basically encouraged uh, voters that don't want to be fooled by people who use the Quran. So that's that's, that's his words. Those are his, uh, those are his words. But then a former journalist, Buniani, uploaded a video of the speech to YouTube, i um, sorry, to Facebook, also accompanied by a transcript. And this transcript incorrectly represented the statement. So Ahok was portrayed as if he was saying, don't want to be fooled by the Quran. So don't want to be fooled by people who use the Quran and don't want to be fooled by the Quran are two very different things. But nonetheless, emotion already right. provoked and, yeah.
0: Right, it, it, uh, uh, even to the extent of, you know, the blasphemous, like that uh, instead of, you know, that that, uh, that people who read the Quran are fools. and
1: Yeah, yeah. And at least the, well, Here's another ironic thing about this episode, though. So Ahok was sentenced for two years in jail for his statement, but Buniani, the person who uploaded the video and uploaded the incorrect transcript, also was sentenced for one and a half years in jail for misrepresenting the information. So how can you how can jail two <laughs> people at the same time for the same episode like that?
0: Yeah, well, that is a comeback for another podcast. That's a whole... Uh, <laughs> um, so we have we have widespread protests um, that uh, you know, whether it's a misrepresentation or not, like that, or where religion is marshaled as a, that uh, against a, a hook. But then you notice um, at these, you notice protesters bringing anti-Chinese slogans and signs to uh, demonstrations that were ostensibly about religious blasphemy. Um, I guess, w- did that spark like a, a major sort of question mark about like, what is happening here?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I think what that tells me, what that told me was that we cannot really separate the religious sentiments from the ethnic sentiments. And the fact that people did bring anti-Chinese signs and banners to the anti-Ahok, anti-blasphemy demonstrations, what that meant to me was that the same people who disliked or opposed Ahok because of his religion are likely the same people who opposed and disliked him because of his ethnicity. And that's actually one of the original motivations of this research is that how do we know that how how do we know which one is uh, stronger how do we know which one is more influential in the election this ethnic sentiments or this um, religious sentiments which both have historical antecedents. what were some of the um, what was in the content of the anti chinese slogans so in indonesian one of them uh, says ganyang china Ahok sumber segala masalah or cross the Chinese Ahok is the source of all problems. So, this seem yeah this demonstr protesters they seem unable to, uh, they seem unable. They they just kind of fixated with Ahok's uh, ethnicity as well even though the demonstration was religious in nature.
0: Yeah, it's not even nuanced. You know, yeah. just like. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's Chinese. He's the source yeah. of all your problems. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, um and and uh and and a lot of and a, lot, and a and a lot of other some pretty some pretty derogatory um um statements. So how um when scholars are trying to unpack a question like this, like what what matters more, how do you suss it out? Um what uh, uh what approach it, uh, is commonly taken to
1: to figure out Uh, A question like this so what what other people have done is that um i'm referring here specifically to uh, people who use survey so many of them use straightforward questions like some uh, they ask respondents explicitly so please mention two or three factors that affected your voting behavior or do you please mention two or three factors that are important uh, when deciding whom to vote for and some others simply ask uh, is religious similarity matter for you in uh, deciding whom to vote for in the gubernatorial election so I mean this these are these are valid questions these are good questions but I think there are there are problems with that yeah what
0: are the, what are the limits is that part of it is it assumes
1: a consciousness to the
0: to people's choices or what? What are the limits?
1: Yeah, I mean there are at least two two limits to that. When we, if it's, if we see the problem from um, public opinion and methodological um, perspectives, the first is that it assumes that people, uh, human beings, we all, all we are, we are all um, always aware of why we do things. Um, Sometimes we just do things because other people are doing the same and we just following uh, what other people are doing. Some other times we are just doing out of habit. So we're not always aware of our reasons of doing things. And some studies actually also have shown that oftentimes when a respondent was asked about why did you vote or what did you do uh, this kind of thing, they actually provided a justification instead of an explanation. By justification, I mean that, well, yes, I did that thing. Why did I do that? Oh, I did that because blah, 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 blah. Um, so that's an, that's a, that's an on-the-spot uh, construction. right? And another limitation of straightforward questions like whether religion affects your uh, voting behavior is that social desirability. If you are asked whether you will vote for someone who doesn't share your faith and you think that answering yes um, indicating that you are not going to vote for Ahok because he's a Christian would make you look intolerant, you are likely to change your answer to make you look more uh, socially desirable. And we have cases with that as well uh, in American politics and in other countries. So how did you structure your... 2016 survey of about a thousand Jakarta Muslims. So I, so I have I had two models uh, related to the study. I approached I approached the um, questions indirectly. So I have what I have what I called a voter side question and a candidate side question. So the voter side question, it asks. How do respondents, how do voters' feelings toward ethnic Chinese and toward Christians affect their support for Ahok? That's um, that's a I I use their what political scientists call feeling thermometers questions. So I ask respondents, how do you feel toward ethnic Chinese, and how do you feel toward Christians? And I use uh, some regression models showing that. Feelings toward ethnic actually mattered more than feeling toward Christians. And I also have a second question there, what I call a candidate side question. The candidate side questions use an experimental design. You want me to explain? Uh, sure. So,
0: hello, let me ask so what is experimental design?
1: All right. The experimental design is when you randomly assign respondents into different treatment groups and then for each treatment group you provided a specific stimulus in my case i assigned respondents into five different groups a control group an ethnicity group a religion group an ethnicity religion group and an ulama group so just to give an example in the control group i simply asked the respondents ahok is running in the election will you vote for him and in the ethnicity group, I asked the same question but with one addition. Ahok is running in the election. As we know, Ahok is of Chinese descent. Will you vote for him?
0: So you see the idea like he's Chinese. Will you vote for him?
1: Yeah. So I yeah I gave I gave I make I make salient. I make uh, the respondent become more aware of the fact that Ahok is uh, ethnic Chinese. And in the
0: the, the religion question, the religion group, then it's like Ahok, a a Christian, is running, will you vote for him?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's the same structure, only one additional sentence. As we know, Ahok is a Christian, will you vote for him? And so uh, what does that expose, that kind of research? So what this additional sentence does, what this additional uh, stimuli did is that it primed the respondent it 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 met the concept it met a particular characteristic of ahoc became salient in the respondent's mind and because of the random treatment assignment because the respondents were randomly assigned across the experimental groups then the characteristics of respondents in each in each of these groups are similar uh, to each other so the only difference the only difference between these groups is that one receives an additional sentence and the other uh, did not. So this enabled us to estimate the effect of this additional information by comparing it to the control group. So for example if we compare the ethnicity group respondents who were reminded or who were uh, informed that as we know AHOK is ethnic Chinese, if we compare this to the control group respondents who were not Uh, read such a sentence we can get an estimate of the effect of uh, reminding respondents of Ahok's ethnicity
0: and of course what you found is that that more than religion that ethnicity has a has a powerful role in 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 predicting uh or determining voting behavior uh so why 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 does religion
1: have a minimal effect do you think there are there are a lot of there are multiple possible explanations for it, but I think what really intrigues me is the fact that maybe just maybe people simply use religion as a cover for anti-Chinese sentiment or, or as a cover for uh, racism. I mean, yeah, give us an example. It's well, here's the thing: if I'm a voter or if I'm a political elite. And someone asked me, would you vote for, say, Ahok who is ethnic Chinese and say has a different culture or has a different skin color than you? And if I said no, that could make me look like a racist. It's like It's like I don't believe that ethnic Chinese is a part of Indonesian society. And I don't want to look like that so at the very least i would just be ambivalent or i would just simply say that well that's fine uh i think Kennedy is also Indonesian. but if the if i was asked well if i'm if i was asked uh would you vote for someone who has a different faith uh, then you if i said no i can actually argue that well i would love to but my religion does not allow me to, and in a religious society like Indonesia, that seems to be like a good enough justification. So opposing someone because of his ethnicity might make me look like a racist, but opposing someone based on religious ground, based on religious ground might actually make me look religious. And if I'm a political candidate, that can be an asset. and that's why maybe. People just use religious rhetoric, religious language right. to cover for racism.
0: It's sort of like uh it reminds me of in the United States where um people say like I'm not anti um gay, um, but my my faith, you know, says that uh um I'm supposed to um preference a particular way of life. I'm I'm not anti homosexual at all, but I'm just being a good Christian. Yeah, yeah. Is that a si- is that is that a similar thing going on in Indonesia, um, it's it's a well, using a cu- using that as a cover the the you know a religious um, devotion as
1: a as a justification for why you're excluding
0: a particular group.
1: That's that's certainly one um, possibility that I I like to examine further. I think it also we must also cannot overlook the fact that religion is so salient in indonesia so that people might like use religious language all the time because that's their pretty much their default like um there's yeah there's there's an anecdote about if you even if even if you talk about science and universe you can always teachers in school always have find always are always able to find a way to use how to use the vastness of the universe as an example of how big and how mighty the God is, like you can always correlate and tie everything to religion. And this might be one of those cases where the ethnic sentiments are camouflaged or covered by um, religious sentiment because people are pretty well versed in using um, religion. Right. With with with. Um, selective textual passages
0: to, yeah. to 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 rightly or wrongly back that up. Uh, uh,
1: uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can also n- not deny. We we must not deny the importance of top-down influence from the elites, like the elites, both political and religious. They frame the scriptures in ways that. Arguably, would fit their uh, interest as well, and then
0: selectively.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I guess
0: uh, in 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 parting, I I really liked your analogy. Tell us about uh, in 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 Indonesian politics. Uh, tell us about the
1: dog that uh, that didn't bark. Right. Uh, so, the fact that my study finds. It was ethnic sentiment that mattered more in the Jakarta's election, as opposed to religious sentiment. Reminded me of a of a very famous story uh, of Sherlock Holmes, Sir Arthur, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. the The story is the Adventure of Silver Blaze. So it was a, it was about a racing horse, a race horse that was stolen. And Sherlock Holmes was invited by the Scotland Scotland Yard to investigate the case. And upon his arrival, um, Sherlock Holmes observed the crime scene and Inspector Gregory of the Scotland Yard asked him, so what have you ob- observed? Uh, what, what do you notice about the crime scene, about the case, and what is something special, what is peculiar about the case? And Sherlock Holmes said, um, I'm attracted to the the dog that didn't bark. So what what's special what's special about that? It's it's special because the fact that the dog didn't bark. And I see a parallel with the Jakarta's election. We know that religious sentiments are prevalent and salient in Indonesia and Jakarta. And we also know that ethnic sentiments are equally salient and prevalent. But the question is why did the elites bark only on religious bark only using religious language? Why didn't they bark re- ethnic sentiments? Why didn't they bark anti-Chinese um, sentiments? And I think that again points to the convenience of religious language, the convenience of religious sentiments. If the elites using if the elites use religious sentiments to mount their opposition against Ahok then that would pretty much put them as examples of racism but if they used religious languages, religious sentiments then they would appeal to conservative voters, conservative um, groups and that actually could help their, might help their um, political ambition political career i have a um
0: there's a st- there's a student here from Xiamen university min who is who is looking at uh indonesian chinese who who fled um before 1965 mm-hmm. and 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 uh and then immigrated to uh to to southern china and 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 were sort of put into collectives there um and What's interesting is that the kind of their uh they read the kind of the tea leaves and said, um, we need to get out of here. We need to we the the and and, and in, in some ways if you look at sixty five, they were right. Like that it, it it's probably not the safest place. Uh well Nathaniel, thank you so much for sharing your uh sharing your research with us. Where where can we uh, can we can we see any of this uh, in uh, in in journal form, book form? Where where can the, where can the readership get hold of
1: this? Well, I'm um, now preparing it for a journal submission, so yeah, hopefully it will be accepted and published in the next year.
0: Okay, well, great. Well, thank you so much for your for your time, and research, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much, Eric.
0: Thank you. <laughs>